first, we just want to say, I'm sure everyone, and you've heard it this morning, you've probably heard it this weekend, but to all the moms, to all the motherly hearts in this room, thank you. You guys are amazing. You guys are strong and incredible. And I hope that this message not just encourages mothers and uh, mothers and women in this room, but it also encourages everyone overall of the resilience and the strength it takes to go through this life. Upstairs in Children's Church, K through 5th, every single month we have a different series that we go through Orange. Orange is a a curriculum we use for Children's Church, and every month there's a different series that we go through. Every month there's also a different word that we kind of get to study, that we kind of get to learn, and in doing so we figure out what scripture says and teaches us about this certain word. Last week, last month, it was about hope. Hope was the big word, um, knowing that something good can come out of something bad, and it was an amazing week because we got to talk about the most incredible thing in history that has ever happened, which is the resurrection of Christ. It was incredible. This month, the theme is resilience. Resilience. Resilience, also known as getting back up after something has knocked you down. This is our little PowerPoint cartoon that we have um, upstairs. Getting back up when something gets you down. Another definition for resilience is also toughness. Another definition for it is also recovering after difficulties. The ability to recover after you face difficulties. This is what resilience is. And I think that we can all agree that in this life, in this day and age, we all need resilience. We all need it. It takes resilience to get back off the ground after your grandkids knock you down and tackle you to the floor. It takes resilience after you're in a football game and you get tackled really hard and you know you have to get back up and do the play all over again because it's only uh, first down. It takes resilience as you get closer to the end of the semester and there's papers, projects, essays, classes that you still need to get done and you're hoping that the senioritis doesn't kick in way too early and you want to just get it done and you want to enjoy the summer. It takes resilience to try to pray and figure out what God's steps for your next, the next part of your life is, trying to figure out what college to go to, trying to figure out what job to find next. It takes resilience to not argue with your sibling after they've done something to you because, man, they did it again. It takes resilience to get back off the ground after someone knocks you in the face with a dodgeball. And because that hit doesn't count, you have to get up and keep playing while tears are strolling down your eyes. It's never happened to me before. And then there are other times when we need resilience in life. And these times, sometimes it just doesn't seem like there's enough to go through it all. Or we sometimes feel like because life just keeps bringing one thing after another, we just have to try to survive. Like waking up in the middle of the night to go, feed, uh, to go feed this very hungry baby or your very sick child and have to wake up and care for them and cuddle them. Or having resilience to try to get through all of these eye rolls that your kids are just really good professionals at. It takes resilience to have the burden to care for others' needs. Whether it's a job that you have, whether it's um, a ministry that you have, whether it's just personal life that you have in your family, caring for others' needs and hoping that there is progress. 
It takes resilience to provide for your family and hoping that you are doing your best to work hard, even though those bills just keep coming and coming. It takes resilience to seek peace with a friend you had another argument with or another family member that you didn't see eye to eye with and there's hurt everywhere. It takes peace to care and to raise a child on your own. It takes resilience to pray and hope for a child to call your own. It takes resilience to be patient after another heartbreak. Resilience, and I think we can all see that it is obvious that we all need resilience. I think it's obvious that we all want resilience in this life. We want it. We need it. We gotta have it. But how can we obtain, excuse me, how can we obtain this resilience? How can we keep this resilience? How can we keep it constant in our lives? Because there's times in life, and sometimes we gotta be honest, that it just doesn't seem like we have it. So while under house arrest in Rome, he was under house arrest, Paul wrote three letters. He wrote letters to the Ephesians, to the Philippians, and to the Colossians. He was under house arrest in Rome, and let me kind of tell you why. So he was under house arrest because he was a Christian, because he kept preaching on Jesus no matter what, and he ended up in prison. Well, when he wrote these three letters, he wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians, Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. Ephesus was a city. It was a very, very huge city. It was like a port city. It was a port city, too. And it was located in Asia Minor. Asia Minor is now called Turkey. So this city of Ephesus was huge. It was also the epicenter for the worship of Greek and Roman gods. There was temples. There was a lot of things there. There was people selling animals and all the type of knickknacks you need in order to worship these Greek and Roman gods. It was a very busy area. So Paul thought, that is a great place to plant a church. So he goes over to Ephesus. He plants a church. And while he's there planting this church, it is an effective ministry. It is growing very rapidly. People are coming to Jesus. People are turning away from these gods. Soon these temples are going to be like abandoned and dust because they are realizing that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is the true God. But during that time, he kind of leaves because usually, you know, Paul's a missionary. He kind of goes from place to place. So he's there for about two years. And after those two years, he leaves. And the church continues to grow. Years later, Paul gets arrested. He gets arrested. He puts, he's put under house arrest in Rome as he awaits trial to be able to go with the head honcho. He wants to go to the main Um, king so that way he can be able to talk face to face and maybe hopefully bring him to Jesus. So while he's under house arrest, he has a whole lot of time to spare. So he thinks, you know what, I'm going to write some letters to different churches, the people I love. So he writes a church to Ephesus. And in this letter, it's a really amazing letter filled with encouragement for this church. It's filled with reminders of who they are now, who they used to be, who who they are now because of Jesus Christ, and also challenges their faith for them to continue to do as God calls them to do. And in this letter, it's really amazing. He also prays for them. He also speaks prayer for them. And he actually opens up the book with a prayer. But we're not going to be there. We're actually going to be in chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians. And in in chapter 3, he actually gives another prayer. And this prayer starts in verse 14. But before we read this prayer... 
He opens up chapter three with being marveled at the fact that he gets to be part of this ministry. He's marveling at the fact that he gets to watch the kingdom grow, that he is a minister of the gospel and the gospel is growing at a rapid rate. And he is just in awe that he gets to be a part of that. And so at verse 14, he opens up with a prayer. He kind of closes that chapter out with a prayer and he speaks really an incredible prayer to them. It's really awesome. And I I keep saying speaks because he wrote this letter, but at the time people would read the letters out because most people didn't know how to read. So he got to, they, they listened to this prayer and just imagine, no, I'm sure it'll affect you the same way, but it's an amazing prayer. This is what he says, verse 14, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." To know him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the best type of prayer to pray. This is a great example of the type of prayer that we should pray for others. We should pray for those in our families, for those we know, because this isn't a prayer of just typical blessing. This is a prayer of spiritual blessing. This is a spiritual blessing he's putting on to these people in the church of Ephesus. And, he's, and he wants them to, to realize that, you know, I know that you're doing a great job and I know you're doing ministry and I know the, the ministry is growing and the gospel is being spread. But we got to remember that this is what I'm going to pray over you, that you may continue to do so, that you may have the strength to continue to strive. And he prays over a spiritual, he prays over for them for spiritual strength because they need it. Remember this Ephesus, it's still an epicenter for Greek and Roman gods. This is still kind of happening. So he prays for them to have strength for work and the duty that they were called to do to go out. He prays for them to have strength in their inner being, their soul, to have strength within inside of them. He prays for them to have the ability to endure, to endure heartache, to endure the, the adversity and the res, the, to have resilience and to endure the struggles that they're going to go through as they go out to preach the gospel of Christ, because they're going to have adversity. They're going to have people who don't agree. They're going to have people who don't want anything to do with it. There's going to be people who are going to be persecuting them. And he's saying, this is what I pray over you strength so that you can endure the face of adversity. And so with this strength, what he also prays over them is this overflowing grace. Just imagine a cup filled up with water and continuing to just continue on. The water's just pouring everywhere. Overflowing grace. And with this grace, he also says, because you have Christ in you, you also have these spiritual gifts and abilities that you have in order to continue on to do the work. And this is what you'll use to do the work. He prays over for them strength to resist temptation too. Because they're going to be tempted 
tempted to try to back out in order to protect their family, in order to protect themselves or save themselves from death, it'll be a difficult task. And he prays for strength to endure this temptation. He prays all of this and he says that all of this is not according to you. It's not according to me. It's according to the riches of glory, the riches of glory that overflow from that. According to the riches of glory, verse 16, according to the riches of glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. And so what are these riches of glory? He tells us what riches of glory are, but what are they really? If we see this, we might ask ourselves, you know, okay, so what's next? What, what is the detail behind this? What, what is it that I actually need? I can understand what riches of glory mean, but I need to know what these riches are. The very first thing that popped into my head immediately was because they really stuck it to you in middle school in history class is God, glory, gold when they wanted to come over to South America and conquer. That's the very first thing I thought of. But this isn't the type of glory that Paul is talking about. The riches of glory are the strength that comes from grace. Grace is something that we do not deserve, yet God gives to us. It is mercy, something that we do deserve, yet God doesn't give us. We are given this power that resides in God residing in us. God residing within each and every one of us. Now, when I say this, it doesn't mean that God, entire, the entirety of God and all who he is, is inside of us. But God bestows and pours himself out into each and every one of us. He gives us what we need for when we need it. And Paul is reminding them that they need this strength. And he's reminding them where they get this strength from. And the reason they have this strength is because of who's living within them. It's not because of anything they've done. It's not because of anything they could do. Or it's not because of what Paul's giving these words of encouragement. It's because of who lives within them. Inside each and every one of them. So Paul is reminding us that it's not about us. It's not about what we have. It is about who we have, who you have, living inside of you at this very moment. And who is this that lives inside of us? Jesus promised us, Jesus promised his disciples before he ascended to heaven in Acts chapter 1 that he was going to leave someone. They would be the advocate, the mediator, the one who would guide them. And they were the, this, this is going to give you power, power to go and save disciple, to teach, to baptize. This is the power that's going to be within you. And that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what lives inside of you, inside of me. The Spirit lives, and the Spirit is not just this presence. There's more. There's so much more to the Spirit. And the fact, and Paul needs to remind them because this, they need to be reminded that the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us is something incredible and very powerful that we have this being within us who gives us the power and the ability to be strengthened. And this is how we get it. This is how we get resilience. This is how we keep going. This is how we keep trusting. It is because of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We are not the source of our own resilience. We're not the source of it whatsoever. Because we are the ones who need it. So how can we be the source of the ones who have it? 
In verse 17, this is what it says. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. When we say yes to following Christ, when we choose to follow him, when we choose to live for him, that same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power of the Holy Spirit that was there at the very beginning of creation, that same spirit lives in each and every one of us every single day when we said yes to choosing to follow Jesus. When we said yes to following Jesus, it wasn't just like a one-time thing and, it, and the spirit left. The spirit resides, dwells. This word dwells, living. It is, we, are, we are the Holy Spirit's home. And the Holy Spirit resides in each and every one of us. The Holy Spirit is through whom we get to have this resilience, the ability to have the strength to have resilience, the ability to be able to go on to the next step, every single part, no matter the adversity, no matter the difficulty. It is because of Christ who dwells in us that we are able. And it's not because of our own doing. The same Spirit, when we choose to do so, when we choose to follow him, is who lives. And that's how we get it. We need to choose Jesus in order to receive the spirit that lives in us every single moment, every single day. And because of this, because of Christ who dwells in us, just as verse 17 tells us, because of Christ who lives in us, we are able to have strength for resilience, to pray, to teach, to study, to talk every week, hoping that it's making a difference in their lives and that they're getting something out of it. It is the way we have strength for resilience to pray and trust even in the uncertainty of what the next weeks or months or years will look like. It is because of the Holy Spirit and Christ dwelling within us that we have strength to unceasingly pray for the son or the daughter who just really doesn't care about coming into church anymore, who doesn't think they need it, who's maybe wandering from their faith or finding pleasure in people or things. It is because of Christ who dwells in us that we have the strength for resilience as we wake up another day asking God that we won't let those negative thoughts define who we are. It is because of him who lives in us that we have resilience to keep the joy after we lost someone we loved way too soon. It is because of him who dwells in us that we have the resilience to hope that our child, that your child, finds their own faith in Jesus too. That is how we have resilience for those parts of life. It is because of Christ who dwells in us when we say, God, I want you in my life. Jesus, I want to follow you forever. That is how we have the ability for resilience. And it is because of the work of grace by his spirit that we have it. And our strength, our resilience, our grace that we give to others has limits. We have limits. We put the limits and we feel depleted in need like we just don't know. But the really good news is that God has no limits. God does not have any limits based on any of these things. And that is where we can find the never-ending resilience and strength that we need to continue to go on through this life. So in order to have real, solid strength for resilience, what we need is the spirit living in us. 
and acknowledging that we cannot do it on our own. That is how we get resilience. And so we, have, we know how we get it. But to keep this as a constant part of our lives, that's where sometimes it's difficult. To keep this as a constant part of our lives, what we need to do is we need to actually act. To keep this as a constant in our lives, it needs action from us because God did his part. God came, God died, God resurrected, God has given us his Holy Spirit, but there's action from us that remains on, even after we've said yes to choosing to follow him. Verse 17, we're going to kind of read that again. It says, so that you be strengthened with power, sorry, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and being grounded in love. Notice those words. Your hearts through faith, being rooted, being grounded in love. Paul is kind of giving this little short sentence of saying, this is what we're doing. This is what we're supposed to be doing. What we're supposed to be doing is being. And this word being rooted, being grounded, it's a continual practice. It's a never ending. It's you're constantly being rooted. You're constantly being grounded. It's not that you take a break, but it's a being like you are being kind of like whenever Paul says that you are being saved it, because sa- salvation does not just happen in one moment, but salvation is every single day because every single day we need saving. It is being saved. It is being rooted, being grounded. It's you waking up in the morning and saying, I am going to be rooted today in Christ. I am going to be grounded in Christ and in his love. It is a decision that you make every single day, every single moment, every temptation to say what you will be rooted in and who you will be grounded in. It is being, it is an action that we are to do. It is our part to continue on of the gift that he has already given us. Because when we say the prayer to follow Jesus, that's not the only part of our action and duty to to be faithful. It is not just when we ask Jesus and do that prayer. That's not the only action of faith that we show. The other part continues on in our lives, in the way we want to live out who Jesus is to us. Because when our hearts hear and listen to this faith, it begins to open the door. It begins to open the door to this faith. It receives this faith. And then our hearts accept this faith. This is kind of the process that we go through when we come to Jesus and we receive it. Then our hearts accept it. Our hearts admit who this Jesus that we're accepting is. And because of acknowledging of who we are accepting, this Jesus, this Lord, Savior, the Son of God, the one who came to die, to resurrect, to die for our sins, to resurrect so that we may one day resurrect with him as well, our hearts submit. It is not just a hearing and accepting, but we need the submit part. We need the submission That is the process that our hearts are called to do when we receive Christ. I mean, that is what our hearts are drawn to when we learn and admit who this Jesus is, this incredible Jesus, this amazing, powerful God. But this daily submission is not just, you know, going to church. It's not just, you know, okay, you know, I'll I'll listen and to a podcast about Jesus, and I think that's good enough. But daily submission is leaving our own selves behind. 
It's leaving our own selves behind, what, who we used to be. And this letter, Paul reminds them that this is who you used to be without a purpose, without, without a reason. But when you came to Jesus, you had a purpose. You were part of this new family. So when we come to Jesus and when we submit, we're saying, I am part of this new family. I am leaving my old life behind so that I can be able to be part of this newness in Christ. We realize that who we choose to follow calls us to do something drastic. In Mark chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, Jesus calls his disciples that if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. Pick up your cross and follow me. We realize that the Jesus who we choose to follow calls us to do something this drastic. To us, we might think, okay, pick up the cross, all right. But at the time when Jesus said this to his disciples, they understood fully what this meant. They understood that when a person was to be sentenced to be crucified and to die in the most shameful way in history, they were to carry their, this giant cross, the weapon that they were going to be the instrument of their death. They had to carry this cross about a mile going up to this hill of Golgotha where they, were, they would be crucified. They had to carry it through all of the people and all of the crowds staring at them, watching on them, feeling bad for them. Most of the time they were practically naked because they were beaten. They were, they were hurt. They were and just ridiculed and mocked, and this was the most shameful way to, to die. This was one of the most shameful things to have to do. They carry this cross, they get to the crucifixion, and they're, that's where they're killed. They're, they're killed on this cross. So when the disciples hear this, and they hear, pick up the cross, they understand what Jesus is calling them to do. To get out of their comfort, to enter into discomfort, to leave their old selves behind, to not be looking around at everyone around them on, and trying to please and trying to figure out what everyone else wants them to do, but looking straight ahead to what they're supposed to be doing. And this call to, to discipleship, this call to pick up our cross, is not an easy one to do. They knew what it meant. They knew it wasn't going to be easy. And the call to follow fully was there because of his love. Jesus called them to do this because to Jesus, he was about to do it. He was about to go through that for us. So he calls us to do the same. He called them to do the same. And it was all because of his love for us that he went through it himself. That the son of God went down, picked up the cross, carried it in one of the most shameful ways and he used it as victory for us. It is because of that love that we are grounded in. That is the love that Paul tells us to be grounded in. That love of Jesus. And this love is an agape kind of love. This love is an unconditional type of love. Because he gave his all. God gave his only son. He gave his all for us in this world. He gave everything for us. That is why it is unconditional love. That is why that is his love. And that is the love that he calls us to be rooted in this unconditional love for all, for him and for, for everyone on earth too. Jesus does not give his heart in pieces to us. Jesus gave his entire heart to us. And it's, it's and I don't know why we think that it's okay to give him parts of ours. 
He gave his entire heart, and we give him parts. We choose who we want to show love to. We love grace, but sometimes we want to give it, sometimes we, want, we don't, depending on what they did to us. We want to help change, he, we want him to, to change us and to transform us, but only in some areas. Not, not in this that I want to keep, not in these. We want to be kind to some, but then we go to school, we go to work, we go to home, we're in church, and we speak poorly of others, we speak about others, we make fun of others, we ignore others, or we speak words of hurt to those made in his own image, whether it's a joke or not. We say we don't have time to read or to pray, but we choose to go home and watch TV or movies, play Fortnite, go out with friends, wake up and scroll through Facebook or watch TikTok or YouTube videos instead of making time for Jesus. Because if we don't have time for the creator of the universe, what do we have time for? And letting everything else come second. Jesus gave his all. It's not easy. It's not easy. I think everyone can agree in this room that it is not easy to live an agape kind of love, an unconditional kind of love to everyone on this earth. It is difficult. Peer pressure is real. Our tiredness is real. The stress in our life is real. The, but it is possible. All of these things in this life are real. But it is possible. It is possible because of the power of the spirit that lives in each and every one of us. That's why it is possible. It's not possible to you, but it is possible to the spirit because the spirit living in us is also real. You have the spirit. When you decided to choose to follow Jesus, you have that spirit living within you. So in order to have resilience be a constant in our lives, we are to be in constant submission, constantly being rooted in Christ. And there's one more important thing. Paul opens up his prayer with a very beautiful visual of what we as followers should kind of copy to. Very awesome. So let's read verse one together. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. What Paul gives us the visual is of uh, what Paul gives us the visual of is someone kneeling, kneeling before the Father. This is a position of reverence. This is a position where you're saying, God, I am here and I'm giving you everything because I can't stand. So I need to kneel so that you can carry me. I am here and I want to give you my heart. And I'm not saying that this means every single time you pray, you're all supposed to be on your knees. What this is the example of is that your heart, when your heart is in reverence, when your heart wants to be honest and open to this God that already knows all of the dark secrets in your life, where the God that already knows the resilience and where you need it in your life, the God who knows the pain and the suffering that you're going through in your life, and who also understands that pain and suffering, when you come, sometimes your outward appearance reflects your inward. 
this reverence that's happening inside of your heart. And sometimes that means lifting up your hands in the air. Sometimes it means just putting your hands out to your side. Sometimes it means just like, you know, bowing your head down and just, you know, being focused on who you're praying to. Sometimes it means putting, getting down on your knees and praying and being reverent to, to this God who is the creator. Sometimes it means just being face flat on the ground like Abraham because there's just this reverence that is just overflowing within you and you just cannot and you just have to express it in any way possible. But the truth of the matter and the main part of this is our hearts. Our hearts are to be in reverence to this God that we serve. Our hearts are to be open and honest when we come in prayer because he already knows everything. But he wants our hearts to be submitted to him too. There's this song that I really love. It's in Spanish. Carla probably knows it. But there's this song. My sister's here. But there's this song that I really love. It's in Spanish. And I'm not going to sing it in Spanish. I'm just going to tell you the lyrics in English. It says, in the part of the chorus, it says, There is no place that is higher, that is greater, than to be at your feet. And here I will stay. And here I will stay at the feet. Of Jesus. There is no place higher or greater than to be at the feet of Jesus. In order to have resilience in this life, we are to acknowledge the spirit and the power living within us, to be submitting daily, and to have a heart open and honest and ready to come to his feet and ask for the strength, for the resilience that we need in this life. That is who you have in your life when you choose to follow Jesus. And if you don't know that, if you're kind of hanging on a thread, if you are not sure of where you're going to get your next resilience from, I can assure you that when you choose to follow Jesus, you have an abundant amount of strength for the resilience that you need to follow Jesus. Jesus and to get through this very difficult life. And so for this time of prayer, what we're going to do is something different that I kind of uh, have planned. And because it is also Mother's Day, and because in motherhood we really need resilience too, one thing where I thought about when it comes to prayer time, we're going to be playing some music in the background, but what we're going to do as a community, because we always hear this phrase that it takes a village, We are the village. We are the community of believers. And so what we're going to do is that if you know a mother, if you know a grandmother, if you know a great-grandmother, if you know someone who has that motherly heart, if you know someone who needs resilience in their life at the moment, or if you need resilience at your life in this moment, the altar is open, but what I'm going to ask you guys to do, you can just stand and go to someone that you know. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. And I'm going to ask you to go to someone, and we're going to just take some minute, we're going to take a little bit of time so that we can go and pray for someone. We're going to pour into them. Just as Paul prayed for this church of Ephesus, we're going to do the same thing because we're all believers and we're all called to do that as believers. We're going to go and pray and pour into them and pray for God to give them the strength and the resilience that they need. So, Um, If you guys can go ahead, as soon as the music begins, you guys can start. 
and I will come up and close in prayer.